You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And indeed, Gamar Khatimatwa, and welcome to all our listeners out there. Today is a lovely day because it's a public holiday. Nice and cool. Hope everybody is relaxing somewhat from the quite marathon three-day Yom Tov that we just had. I hope everybody had a really meaningful Rosh Hashanah, didn't eat too much, and that uh, you are in gear now for the Aseret May Tshuva, this 10 days of repentance that start on Rosh Hashanah and end on Yom Kippur, a time of spiritual accounting, a time to look into our books of assets and liabilities of that which we have done good, that which we have done bad. We were written on Rosh Hashanah, but we still have a reprieve. We have uh, seven days to uh, change things around and pray and ask Hashem to sign us and seal us in the book of life and, and prosperity and everything else that we want and need in our lives. We are going to continue learning chapter 119 of Tehillim, of the book of Psalms. We are going to be doing the letter Zion. And uh, as I was preparing for the show today, I thought to myself, here it is again. Here's Hashem's divine hand and everything. The letter Zion has a numerical value of Seven, And uh, we know that the number seven plays a very, very fundamental and important uh, part in Judaism in that it alludes to the spiritual world. So let's dissect the number seven first, Zion, what it, what it means numerically. We know that most things that happen um, in this world works basically on, on, on three dimensions. Um, we know that a cube has a, a a cube a cube form has a, it's a three dimensional unit and what it does is that it represents the total perfection of this physical world which is obviously created in six days so when we talk about the world being in 3d we are actually talking about the six dimensions that we see the world what you see is what you get and um we also know that there are in fact six directions um in the physical world, there's up, down, north, south, east, and west. And so if you start dissecting your physical world, you will see that it is made up of the number six. We work six days of the week. If you're lucky and you're in South Africa, we're only going to be working mm, four days of this week. But um, we work six days of this week, and the number six is very much the physical world of creation. Then every seventh day, God creates Shabbat, creates the Holy Shabbos, the Sabbath. And what we do on Shabbat is we try to transcend the physical world. We try to elevate the physical world to a spiritual world, to a world where there is something much more than what you see is what you get. We look beyond our physicality and we try to touch spirituality. And that is a fundamental and important part of who we are as, 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 a, as a race. Humans cannot only live in the physical realm. Let me rather say it. We can live in the physical realm, but what we will find is that we, we will feel empty inside. We, f we will feel disconnected because we are not just made of body. We are made of body and soul. Each of us has a veritable part of godliness within each and every one of us. And we need to feed that soul. We need to feed 
the spiritual part of ourselves. And so God created the world in such a way that we work for six days and then on the seventh day we rest. And the rest isn't just, oh, well, I'm not going to go carry now this 25 kilo table around or I'm not going to go and, uh, you know, plow my field because it's really hot and bothersome. The rest that Torah talks about is a spiritual rest, a, a time where we shut down the creativity that we're involved with on during the six days of the week, and we connect to something much, much deeper. Uh, we allow our soul to be connected. We allow ourselves to feel Hashem in our lives and to connect to the, the things that are, are really real, um, not just what you see on a, in, in a physical sense. Very interestingly, as a sideline, but... From divine providence, this Shabbat coming up um, is not only called Shabbat, it's called Shabbat Shabbaton, the Shabbat of all Shabbatot. Why? Because Yom Kippur is falling on Shabbat, and it is the only day in the entire Jewish calendar when a fast falls on Shabbat that we actually fast. Shabbat is so holy. Shabbat is so central. The, the, the number seven, the day seven is so central to our lives that nothing can negate it or move it out the way. The only Yom Tov, the only celebration that we will allow to kind of move Shabbat out of the way, meaning that we, 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 we are um, commanded on Shabbat to eat and to drink and to be merry and to have much more um Food and, 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 uh, physical comfort on Shabbat. The only time we move it away and fast will be Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur is the Shabbos of all Shabbases. Why? Because not only do we connect spiritually as we connect every Shabbat, but Yom Kippur, when we abstain from eating and drinking, we become like angels and we connect to Hashem in a much, much, much deeper level. In fact, we go through all five levels of our spiritual self, known as the nefesh, the ruach, the neshama, the chaya, and the yechida. Those are five levels of our soul. And as we go through the prayers on Yom Kippur, each prayer um, mimics one of the five levels. The first kol nidre is the um, nefesh. Then shachrit in the morning is the ruach. Musaf is, sorry, nefesh. Nefesh, Neshama, Ruach. The Neshama is the second. Ruach is the third. Chaya is Mincha and Yechida is Neila. And at that point in time in Neila, when the, 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 the heavenly doors, so to speak, are closing, when we are having everything signed and sealed for us for the new year, that is when we are at our most pinnacle when it comes to spirituality and being connected to God. So Yom Kippur is called the Shabbat Shabbaton, and it is the only time when we take the seventh day and we transcend it even higher that we are likened to angels. That's why, by the way, that um, we do not wear leather and um, and we do not eat, we do not drink, we abstain from marital relations, um, we do not wash, we really, really mimic ourselves as, as angels. So the letter Zion, the number seven, represents spirituality, that which is above uh, the physicality. And uh, when we get back, we will discuss more about the letter Zion as a letter itself, and then hopefully look into the various psukim. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. 
Welcome back. And uh, we were discussing just before the break the concept of the number six as opposed to number seven. Seven transcending the physicality, the three-dimensional world that we live in, which is represented by the number six. As always, I welcome any comments, questions. You can SMS on 34519. You can WhatsApp on 0621482374. Email on onair at highfm.com. And uh, if you'd like to chat, 0746547335. Let's just discuss a little bit more the letter Zion. Now, we said that the number seven is represents Shabbat, um, the Shabbos, and the theme of Shabbat is Zachor. See, it starts with the letter Zion. Zachor. Zachor means to remember. Now, keeping the Shabbat reminds the Jew of Hashem, of, of, of the Creator. And in this series of eight verses that all start with the letter Zion, you will see here King David's is constantly remembering God and how God remembers him with special kindness. And this is something important that uh, we should we should think about and know. On Rosh Hashanah, one of the set of shofar blow, uh, blows was dedicated to zichronot, to remembrances. And we evoked God's remembrance of Avraham at the Akedah and various other other times in Jewish history where God looked down upon the Jewish people in a benevolent way. And one of our prayers was that God should remember us to Zachor, to rem- remember us for the good and write us down in the book of life. So Zion means remember, and it is primarily linked to the Shabbat because we are given the command with Zachor et Yom HaShabbat, remember the Shabbat. But yeah, I want to Divert a little bit and tell you what the Talmud, the Gomorrah says in the Gomorrah of Shabbos, page 104a, if you'd like to look it up. It says the letter Zayin, 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 you can see, um, can hear, um, spells the word Zan. Zan means livelihood or sustenance. So the Gomorrah goes as follows. It says, the man who fulfills the lessons of the first six letters of the Alphabet will merit Zan, will remember, will merit livelihood. Meaning, if you recall, the letters Aleph were, and Bet were about understanding that Aleph, that God was the king of this world, and that he was the ruler, and that indeed we do have somebody who runs the world. And Bet was, all about King David asking that God grants us that understanding that we learn Torah. So once we understand that we have a creator, we'll learn Torah. And once we've understood that, we go on to the Gimel Dalid, which is Gomel Dalim, that we will then show kindness to the poor. And then we have the next two letters, which is He and Vav, which are Hashem's name. So the Gomorrah says as follows, if one studies and understands... Alphabet does kindness to the poor, Gimel Dalad, and cherishes the name of Hashem, Hevav, then he will certainly be blessed by having all his physical needs provided for. That's the letter Zion. Now, many, many times in our lives, we try so hard to have our physical needs met. Um, most of us go out into the world and we slog with sweat and tears and we 
we we we come in contact with the physical world and we try to do our our best in order that we elicit a response that we will have our physical needs net. And it's tough out there. One of the interesting things the Gomorrah is teaching us is that we mustn't have our priorities mixed up. It's not, well, let me go get my degree. Let me go get establish my business. Let me get, get into this world. Let me see I can make money. And then I'll remember God. The Jewish formula for Parnosa, for livelihood, for Zion, for Zan, for livelihood is A, remember God, that God runs this world. B, study his Torah. Go out and do acts of goodness and kindness, Gomel Dalim. Cherish Hashem's name and know how important it is that God is in your life. And you know what will happen? By default, all your physical needs will be taken care of. A very, very powerful lesson, I think, and a very, very important one, maybe to bear upon now that we are in the Aseret Yemei in the days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Are our priorities right? Are your priorities right? Uh, is my priorities right? Are we putting Hashem first and then doing kindness and cherishing Hashem in our lives and then worrying about a parnosa, or are we putting our livelihoods at number one and letting everything else stack underneath it. Let's begin by looking into the verses um, that uh, King David speaks about. If anybody is sitting with a Tehillim, you will see that many of the verses start with the word Zachar. Zachar davar, Zacharti mishpatecha, Zacharti balayla. He keeps on talking about this idea of remembrance, that one should also remember the goodness and kindness that God has given us. And when we are praying to Hashem and asking Hashem for all our needs, we should be cognizant first of the fact of how much chesed, how much Hashem has remembered us in the previous year and in years gone by, and be grateful and show gratitude for that before we say to Hashem, hello, can we, you know, can, can, can we have more? So King David says the following, Zohar davar la'avdecha, remember the word to your servant, al asher yechaltani, by which you gave me hope. Here King David is calling to Hashem to remember the blessing that Hashem gave our forefather Yaakov. Okay? In, in uh, Genesis chapter 49, in fact verse 10, Hashem promised that the scepter of royalty would never be transferred from, transferred from David's tribe, which was the tribe of Yehuda. No other tribe could ever become the tribe of royalty. And so King David says to God, remember, remember that word to your servant, to Yaakov, by which you gave me hope, because when David was pursued, Okay, and uh, he thought that he was going to lose the crown or that he won't even make it to the crown. He remembered the promise that Hashem made to Yaakov. The tribe of Yehuda, of which David is a descendant, will always be the tribe of royalty. And then he says the following, Zot nechamati be'onyi ki imratcha chiyetani. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your words have preserved me. We know that many, many times David's enemies forced him to flee into exile, 
and he suffered he suffered unbelievably we've spoken about it many many times he suffered greatly and many times his sorrows his sorrows that he had in this world threatened to overwhelm him and what he says over here to Hashem zot nechamati this is my comfort beoni when i was afflicted why ki imratcha khiyatni because your word your promise that the lineage of royalty will always stay with the house of david will always stay with the tribe of yehuda that encouraged me that saved me from being engulfed in sorrow verse 51 which is the third verse says as follows zaidim hilitsuni admeod willful sinners taunted me exceedingly well we know that david was scorned a lot Okay, he was mocked. Why? Because he wasn't the regular kind of political leader or person that you see today leading a country. King David was a tzaddik. He was a righteous person, and he ruled his life, his his personal life, the life of his country, the way that he he ran his entire affairs was through the the prism of Torah. He constantly engaged in Torah. Torah study. And even though he had willful sinners, people who scorned and laughed at him, he didn't pay any attention to him. He just kept the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing was the study of Torah. And uh, the Midrash goes on and says that this wasn't only something that King David suffered from, that he was mocked and he was laughed at and he was scorned, but that as representatives of the jewish people we will go through the entire exile with the nations of the world deriding us laughing at us saying look hashem drove you into exile hey look he ain't bringing you back he will he has deemed you unclean and untouchable but what did we respond with we remained a humble people we remained a people connected to hashem's torah and we made sure that the study of torah and the the upkeep of all the commandments of the torah were always primary in the life of our people and that is what has sustained us if you go and you look at it from a population statistics point of view we should have disappeared off the planet thousands of years ago and in fact if you look at many many nations today sorry many many nations in history today they they no longer exist where is rome where is greece where is the british empire where is the babylonian empire all of these place peoples were much greater than the jewish people but as history played itself out these people disintegrated because they didn't have a core that kept it that that allowed them to continue flourishing the core of the jewish people is the torah it's nothing else you can deny it you can walk away from it you can argue it you can philosophize it you can allow the 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 winds of assimilation and and whatever it is out there any thing that is not torah will fall away and anybody connected to torah will continue and that is the only source and guarantee of our existence and it has been the only source it is the only source it will always be the only source and um whether 
whether the, 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 the outside world likes it or not, this is who we are. And in fact, I think one of the things that um, Netanyahu said at his UN speech this past week, I think it was a message to the Iran that we're here, we ain't going anywhere, we never will go anywhere. But it's not only about our national pride and the fact that we, we have today a Jewish homeland. We are here and we are going nowhere because it has been the Torah that has sustained us all this time. What are your thoughts and ideas on this? Love to, 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 to hear from you all out there. Um, do you believe that to be, a, be, be truth or do you believe contrary to that? Most welcome to SMS on 34519 or send an email on onair at chayfm.com, WhatsApp on 0621482374. The last part of verse 51 says, Umitoratcha lo natiti, I did not swerve from your Torah. And this, uh, the Sforno, a commentator on Torah, on, 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 on the Tehillim says that the Zaydim, these willful sinners that were mocking, um, we're, actually David is talking about a guy called Shimi ben Geira. Shimi ben Geira and his followers hurled terrible curses to, uh, on David as he fled from Absalom. And, uh, when he was running away from Absalom, he was helpless, he was humiliated. But King David was great enough to recognize Shimi's malicious intentions simply as an ancient of, agent of God. And he, David, humbly accepted Shimi's insults. And he even swore that he would not put him to death by the sword. Now, just imagine this actually required unbelievably great restraint for David to honor his vow not to punish Shimi. But he did not deviate from the Torah's command, um, and he honored his words. You can check it all up in Malachim Aleph, in Kings 1, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that David looked through the world because he studied Torah. The prison through which he looked at the world was almost like from a letter sign. He realized that the world was made up because God said so, because it's God's word, because this is the way we need to look at the world. And then he understood the dimensions of the world, the six dimensions of the world. Unfortunately and sadly, we tend to look at the world the other way. We try to dissect and understand the world from what we perceive through our five senses, what we perceive through the six dimensions of this world. And we sit there and we argue and we talk and we deliberate and we philosophize and we try to understand the world through physicality that's not the way of a jew a jew needs to learn torah and a jew needs to understand and interpret his world through the eyes of torah and this was something that king david did um very very profoundly and um and i think teaches us an important lesson how are we Looking at the world, if we see each and every person, thing, circumstance in this world just made up of its physical dimensions, um, then we're going to get caught in this worldwide web of six dimensions. If we, however, see everything that happens to us, whether it is a human interaction or a physical interaction with something in this world as divinely sent as the people in our lives being God's agents, 
then we are able to see the world almost like with a bird's eye view. We're allowed to transcend to the Zion and are able to look back into our world and understand it in a better way. Verse 52 says as follows, Zacharti mishpatecha me'olam Hashem ve'et necham. I remembered your judgments of old, Hashem, and I was comforted. Now, here was something that King David said in his time, and how much more so we can say in our time. He says, I remembered the lessons of history. I've realized from that the earliest times that the fate of these Zaydim, these willful sinners, will remain the same. We will always, they will always have a brief period where we will see some nation or some people or someone come up and enjoy success and grow arrogant. But ultimately, ultimately, all these people are subject to Hashem's judgments and that those judgments destroy them. Perhaps in the, the period 39 to 45, it seemed that Hitler was indestructible and that his success grew and that you know, the arrogance of the Nazi party and that which they were trying to bring to the world was something they were trying to conquer, that, 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 that they were going to conquer the world. But it's brief because at the end of the day, anything that is negative doesn't have any leg to stand on. And ultimately, Hashem's judgments will, will, will destroy them. Um, this in turn is also something that we can take personally in understanding that sometimes we have negativity in our lives and we should be comforted with the knowledge that these things don't last forever. They're there to teach us lessons, sometimes very, very painful lessons, but just as one will give the child a spanking or give a punishment in order to assist the child to grow from a deeper place, so too we will have what we perceive as negativity visited upon us because Hashem is kind and loving and teaching us that we need to grow. One other midrash, the Shocher Tov, attributes this, these words of verse 52 to King David when he was fleeing from his son, Absalom. He could have landed up being shrouded in, in mourning, but King David sang a song as he fled uh, before Absalom because he said to himself, he's looked into history and he's seen others that have suffered similarly. We've had Yaakov fleeing from Esav. We've had Moshe running away from Paro. And all of those running aways ultimately, ultimately allowed themselves to come back more powerful and more strong. So King David was a great learner of history. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. We are halfway through looking at the verses of Perik Kufyut Tet 119, the chap, the verses that are pertaining to the letter Zion, and we are on verse 50, uh, 53. Mem Gimel. King David says the following, Zalafa achazatni mirashayim ozvei toratecha. Trembling has seized me because, the, because of the wicked who, forsake, who have forsaken your Torah. 
King David was basically saying, for myself, I can find comfort in flight and exile because I know my suffering is short-lived. I fear, however, for the fate of the wicked who have forsaken their faith in the Torah, in the promise expressed in the Torah. And this is really always one of the, the, the age-old questions that everybody says, you know, I see the wicked prospering. I see the bad people enjoying every form of success. I see them assimilating, forsaking their Jewish identity. They're having the greatest time of their lives. King David says, I fear for them because whilst I might be in an exile, while I must be experiencing something negative, that is going to be really very short-lived. I'm panic-stricken, says King David, when I contemplate their terrible fate because those that are cutting themselves off from, from Judaism are doomed to be lost and cut off from the Jewish people forever. And that's not something we want. And uh, one of the comforts that we do have is that no Jew is going to be left behind in this last galut. That come what may, Hashem is going to have a lot of tricks um, in his bag. But he is going to uh, help each and every single Jew come back. And we can play a part in that. We can show love, concern, kindness and if we know somebody who's just less connected than we are invite them over for a Yom Tov meal for a Shabbat meal say a kind word to them take them a challah just do an active rand, an active act of random kindness and goodness um, and uh, open up their hearts because each and every single Jew has to come back at the end of times Verse Nun Dalad 54 reads as follows. Zmirot hayuli chukecha, your, your, your statutes, your laws, Hashem, are music to me. We are told that when King David learned Torah, he was transported with ecstasy and with delight. He always sang songs of love and praise to Hashem, and he always thanked Hashem for the precious Torah that he gave us. And this is a lesson to us, that anybody who says, no, no, Torah study is so boring. I've got no thrill in it, no joy. It means you have no appreciation of what you're learning. Because once you sit and you learn Torah, it will fill you. You will feel as if you're a parched person in the desert and you imbibe the words of Torah and your thirst will dissipate. Your soul will find peace. You will feel connected. Now here's something amazing that the Talmud says in the Gomorrah of Eruvim, it says like this, Any home in which words of Torah are heard at night will never be destroyed. Listen to that again. I'm going to say it again. Any home in which the words of Torah are heard at night will never be destroyed. As it says in Eov and Job, no one will say, where is the God who gives songs in the night? For, says um, the Maharsha, which is a commentator on the Torah, when a home is filled with the songs of Torah study at night, God's protective attention is ever present. So here we are in our six cube dimensional world and we think, yes, we need an electric fence and we need a, uh, we need an alarm and we need bars on our window and we need, uh, um, Gap running up and down. And yes, we do need all of these things. We function in the six days of the week. We function in the, the, the physical dimension of the world. But here's the ultimate God 
Fill your house with the words of Torah. When your world, when your house is filled with it, you will, you're guaranteed God's protective attention at all times. And yep, I can quip in, put on kosher mezuzahs as well. That's fantastic, fantastic protection and security. So, Zmirot Hayur Li Chukecha, your statutes are music to me. Okay, there's, there was music always in David's home of him learning the words of Torah, the Veit Migorai, in my dwelling place. And in the dwelling place doesn't only mean in the physical place, it also means in the space I find myself. You don't necessarily have to be at home, but in the space, in the paradigm that you see yourself, if you have Hashem with you and you are enthusiastic and you love learning the words of Torah, you will have Hashem's protective attention at all times. Verse 55 reads, Zacharti balayla shimcha Hashem, in the night I remembered your name Hashem. Whenever David woke up in the middle of the night, his mind was immediately filled with the thoughts of, of Hashem. And similarly, we should know that in the darkest moments of Jewish history, when we are sunk in sorrow and in grief, we always know to call on Hashem, even in the darkest and, 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 and um, most sorrowful time, we cry out in Hashem's name. And why we keep your Torah. So again, this comes back to the theme that keeping Torah is the way that we survive. Very important. And finally, the last verse reads as follows. Zot hayali ki pikudecha natsarti. This was my lot. This was what was mine because I cherished your Torah. Meaning, King David says, you watched me at all times and I sensed your presence. And having that, that divine supervision um, is a rare privilege, which I merited only because I kept to your, I kept your Torah. And he has a very, very interesting thing. The Talmud goes and says, when he says, when King David says, Zot Hayali, this was for me, it's talking about King David's crown. Now listen, how very interesting, a very interesting story about King David's crown. There's a, a few chapters in Shmuel, in the book of Samuel, that says the following. And da David gathered all the people together and went to Rabat. He battled against the city, he captured it, and he removed the king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones, and it was set on David's head. Now, the Gomorrah tells us that this crown was perfectly round and it could not fit a normal head. Um, sorry, a crown is normally perfectly round. But this crown of King David's was somewhat elongated and elliptical. And David's head wasn't completely round. And when it was put on David's head, it fitted perfectly. And it was a public demonstration that God had chosen David to be king. And for all subsequent generations, this crown indicated whether or not those who claimed the throne of David was actually worthy to be king. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And we're about to wrap up chapter 119, the verses starting with Zion. We were talking about King David's crown just before the break. Um, as we said, it was elongated, it was elliptical, and it only fitted David's head perfectly. It also was um, a sign whether a person who claimed the throne of David later was actually worthy of becoming king if the crown didn't fit 
you ain't going to become the king. The Zohar says that a legitimate heir to the throne could bear the weight of this heavy crown on his head. On the very day that he was born, a feat that no ordinary infant would possibly um, perform. And in fact, we know that um, God had made King Shlomo heir to David, but as David was lying on his deathbed, a gentleman by the name of Adoniyahu ben Chagit tried to usurp the throne and lay claim to the king's crown. But when the crown didn't fit him, it was clear to all that he was a pretender. And in later generations, there was a chap called Asaliyahu who also attempted to wipe out the line of David. And early the child Yoash survived the massacre by going into hiding for six years. And when the supporters brought Yoash out and proclaimed him king, they placed the, 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 the crown on his head and it actually fitted on him. And it all ends up with a comment, a, a, a commentary by the Maharasha that says, this was a divine sign that was associated with David's head. Why? Because David was very scrupulous in the mitzvah of tefillin, which encircled the head like a crown and served a testimony to the sovereignty of God. And therefore it was fitting for God to testify to David's sovereignty with the crown that he wore on his head. So that wraps up the eight verses of the letter Zion and, uh, I'm going to wrap up by wishing each and every one of you out there a Gemar Khatimatova. May all of you be sealed into the book of life and into the book of Hashem's richest blessings. And as we come towards Yom Kippur, let us use this time to see that we are looking through the eyeglasses of the letter Zion, the number seven, that which is spiritual, not physical. Let's reorganize our priorities in life. Let's make God, Torah, our family, our Judaism, the priorities. Um, and in that way, we will all merit not only to be written into the book of life, into the book of health, prosperity, and everything that we need, but Hashem will bring us the ultimate of spiritual blessings, which will flow into physical blessings, and that is the blessing of Mashiach. Have a wonderful week.